the Lord. Does it, does it get any more exciting than that, you guys? I mean, we're hearing about the mighty, wonder-working power of the blood of Jesus Christ washing the sins of people away. Listen, God's still in the miracle performing business. He's still working in the hearts of sinful people and bringing them into redemption. Praise the Lord for that. What an awesome thing to be able to minister in that way and to hear these stories today. Whew. I can't breathe. I gotta get on the treadmill more or something. I gotta like do something. Let's just pray and thank him right now. Lord, just thank you so much. Glory, glory to your name. You applied the blood to our hearts and brought about change. Saved us, Lord. I'm so thankful. Thank you for bringing salvation to our brothers and sisters in this tank this morning that are standing for you and taking the next step and saying, Lord, I want to be all in for you. I want everyone to know that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you for applying the blood. Lord Jesus, I thank you for not holding. You You held nothing back. You gave it all for us. We're so grateful. Moving us today and open our eyes to truth today as we wrestle with some hard things that are happening in our world. I pray that you'll strengthen us. I pray that for my brothers and sisters that are here listening, those that are at home listening and online, Lord, I just pray that a special blessing for them and that you'll minister to their hearts and that you'll give them a heart of boldness to stand for you in some of the hardest days we've ever seen. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. I want to start singing again. I just really do. Wow, that is such an awesome song. I just get fired up by those testimonies too. Man, how awesome. Can I just say, let me just say this at the very beginning here. If the Lord is speaking to you already and it's sounding like this, may, I'm not sure I'm saved. If, if there is something inside of you today that you're beginning to ask some questions about your relationship with Jesus Christ, I just want to tell you that that is the Holy Spirit of God speaking to you. And we, many times, we have had people accept Christ as their Savior and repent of their sins after hearing testimonies of faith in Jesus Christ from this baptistry tank. So listen, today, if you hear the voice of the Lord, the scripture says, don't harden your heart. Open your heart to him. Let him speak to you today, because today could be the the day of salvation for you. Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 24, okay? Matthew chapter 24. And we're going to jump into some hard stuff today. I'll just give you that right up front. But the setting for Matthew 24 is that Jesus is having a discussion. It's called the Olivet Discourse. They're on the Mount of Olives, which is one of Jesus' favorite places to be because if you sit on the Mount of Olives, you can overlook the entire city of Jerusalem. And he had an amazing love for Jerusalem. And so he loved to go to the Mount of Olives, and he was here on this particular night with his disciples answering their question. And the question was, when will all these things that you're talking about, the destruction of the, of the world and the, your second coming, when will all the end take place? And Jesus begins to describe it to them in Matthew chapter 24, which is where we are, okay? 
So let's go there and read it, and then we're gonna lean into, um, I know we've been in this a long time, okay? We've been in this since the beginning of the year, this chapter. And, but we, we're, gonna, we're gonna pull some more nuggets out of this today and help apply it to our lives as we see the things that are happening in the world. So Jesus starts off in verse four with these words. See that no one leads you astray. I wanna stop before we go any further. I wanted to say to you today, see that no one leads you astray. We're living in a time, we're living in a world where it is Satan's plan. We know the schemes of our great enemy, the devil, who is trying to sway people's minds and lead them astray. Astray from what? Lead them astray from the truth. In our world, everywhere you look in our world, there are people under the control of the satanic enemy that we have to try to lead people astray. And Jesus said to his disciples, way back here, see that no one leads you astray. And those words are just as relevant for us today. It's as if Jesus, I want you to hear Jesus' voice right now in your own heart, in your own mind. See that no one leads you astray. That's why we're spending time in God's word together. That's why we do what we're doing right now. Diving into the truth of God and his word so that we will not be led astray and be deceived by the schemes of the devil. Verse five, he said, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. The things we have been talking about are not the end times, they are the beginning of the end. We're seeing the things that are the foreshadowing of the things that are going to come in the time of the great tribulation. But they're happening nonetheless. And what you need to understand is that this is a prophetic passage. In other words, Jesus is declaring that this is going to happen in the future. I believe we've been talking about that we can see these things taking place in our lifetime right now in real time. So verse eight, all these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. One of my heroes, modern day heroes of the faith, is a man by the name of Dr. David Jeremiah. Uh, David Jeremiah is the pastor of Shadow Mountain Community Church in San Diego. He is the founder and teacher of Turning Point Ministries. You hear him on the radio all the time if you listen to WFRN or any other radio station. I love this man because he is truly a man of God. In fact, if Bible was being written today, he would be one of the great Bible characters of our day. He is committed to the truth of God's word, and that's what I appreciate about him so much. He's committed to the faithful preaching of the truth 
of God's word. Committed his whole life to that. And he recently said this. I have it on the screen for you. Except for 1968 with its riots and assassinations, I can't remember a more challenging year for America in my lifetime than 2020. Between the pandemic, the flaring of racial tensions after the death of George Floyd, a floundering economy, skyrocketing murder rates, and the impeachment of President Donald Trump, people had a lot to argue about. Of course, the U.S. presidential election added fuel to those fires, if you can call it an election. He didn't say that. I <laughs> threw that part in there. <laughs> the deal is, that's a huge statement for a man who's been ministering on a national level for over 60 years. We ought to sit up and listen to a man who says that he's never seen a year like 2020 in his lifetime. He's referring, when he said that, he's referring to what we have come to know as the woke slash cancel culture that is running rampant in our society today. And that's what we're gonna talk about. And you might be like, really? Are you going there? We have to. Yes, please. I'm gonna show you why in just a little bit. I believe the Lord's coming back soon. I really hope the Lord is coming back soon. But if he delays, okay, and there's another 100, 200, 300, 400 years before he comes back, history is going to be written. There's going to be history books written about our culture today. And history is going to remember that our generation was a time when we were living when, during a time when almost any behavior was celebrated. No matter how bad, no matter how twisted, no matter how immoral or sinful. But it's also going to record that at the same time we were living through a time when anything was okay and everything is okay, it was also a time when any small slip of the tongue, any improper tweet or a like or a mistake or a misstep or indiscretion, whether public or private could cost you your livelihood, cost you your reputation, and quite frankly, take your place in society of public discourse altogether. In fact, what it's going to write is, in those days, if you weren't woke enough, they would cancel you. Now, before I go any further, I just need to tell you, this stuff makes me crazy. And I might get a little weird today and a little crazy. I, right. I, I told the congregation, and <laughs> you know, I never know when I like cross the line. But this morning in this first service, I could tell when the, when, when the congregation as a whole was going like this. Um, I, I'm, I'm over there. I'm over the line, all right? But I got to tell you, I, I, I literally can go nuts on this stuff. It just... Where the direction our culture is going, the direction our society is heading, makes me nuts because it's so wrong. Yes. I mean, did any of you even know 
what woke was a couple of years ago? <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you, yes, you did. Because like with, for me, it was simply what I did last Sunday after I fell asleep on the couch. I, <laughs> right, I woke from my nap. I woke from my slumber. I mean, in elementary school, what were you taught? I was taught that woke is the past tense of wake. It's related to sleeping. Well, I started hearing woke this, woke that, woke this, and I'm like, what are they talking about? I'm literally like, this isn't making any sense. So I start to research it and I start to Google it. That's a mistake. I'm like, what is this woke thing? And so what I found is, and, and you might not know this, but the very first definition in the Merriam-Webster dictionary of woke is this. Being aware of and actively attentive to important facts and issues of racial and social injustice. No, it is not. That is not what woke is. It is... It is now. Don't you think for a minute that they're not trying to indoctrinate the whole culture? So I began researching the term. And I found that many out there describe woke as an adjective with attitude. They told me in English class that it was a verb. Now, you might know this, okay? I didn't know this until I began to research it. The term stay woke found its popularity in the 1930s. And it was a call for black Americans to wake up to the social, racial, and political injustices happening all around them in our culture. No one denies that that was happening and there were many injustices happening at that time. And so that term, stay woke, came into play actually through a song that was written about it. And I don't want to get into that, but what I want to say is that that term has been hijacked now by every other activist group out there and is it being applied to a whole host of quote-unquote offensive causes. And the term has been, and I quote, cynically applied to everything from soft drinks to razors these days who you are what you represent and what I feel about what you just said is offensive to me therefore I cancel you I'm going to get a little sarcastic every once in a while are you okay with that <laughs> okay I don't know what else to do except yell about it okay so I'll just be a little sarcastic about it Okay, so does anybody in the room know what cancel means? <laughs> you, no one wants to commit. Come on, do you know what can't? Yes, you know. You know what cancel means, right? <laughs> so I look it up, you know, because um, I'm thinking, well, maybe I don't know what cancel means. So if you look up the word in the Merriam-Webster dictionary, this is what it says. 
to decide not to conduct or perform something planned. There you go. Like I, we canceled the football game or I canceled my magazine subscription. Make sense? That's what cancel means. No. Not if you Google it. Mistake. If you Google the word, they immediately go to this definition. To neutralize or negate the force or effect of another person. To publicly boycott or withdraw support from a person or organization for promoting beliefs that are regarded as socially unacceptable. What do you think? Anybody, let's just vote by by popularity here. How many of you think that, that they're actually trying to indoctrinate us into these types of things? I mean, come on. So here's the question. Who gets to decide what beliefs or opinions are socially unacceptable? You have no answer for that? I know the answer. A bunch of crazy people. <laughs> a bunch of twisted, crazy people are at the top of this thing saying, we get to be the ones who decide what is socially acceptable and what is socially unacceptable. You are socially unacceptable. We cancel you. Are you kidding me? How do you know what is socially acceptable Excuse me a second. Let me start over. How do you know what is socially acceptable or unacceptable? There is only one truth in the universe, and it's right here. And this speaks to everything for life and godliness. You want to know what's acceptable in the, our society? Right here in the Word of God. You want to know what's unacceptable in our society? right here in the word of God. But there's a group of people that are saying, no, what this is saying is wrong and what we are saying is right. What this says is acceptable is untrue. We believe it's unacceptable. And what this says is unacceptable isn't right. It's we think is acceptable. Amen, Woe to those who say what is wrong is right and what is right is wrong. We are there. We are there. Last year, a prominent pastor of a large church in Birmingham, Alabama, was canceled, and his church was canceled and forced to publicly apologize because he simply, okay, he simply liked an Instagram post that Charlie Kirk put out there on Instagram, and it was a conservative post, and so he just put like on it. He didn't comment. The pastor didn't comment. He just liked it. And they were canceled. Now, the canceling started when a high school teacher saw that he liked the post and it made her feel uncomfortable. So, honking what? Deal with this, sweetheart. Lots of things in life are going to make you feel uncomfortable. 
but because it made her feel uncomfortable. She saw that he liked something, and she didn't like the comment that he liked. So just get on with your life, chick. Get on with your life and... Robin, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) This is what Robin does whenever... And you men know if your wife does that, just stop. Just stop right there. Uh, listen to me. I'm, I'm goofing here, but I, this is serious. Because here's a high school teacher who gets offended and she makes her feel uncomfortable that this pastor liked a comment that she didn't like. So she posted her discomfort on her Facebook page and she posted a screenshot of the pastor's like on the Charlie Kirk comment. Two weeks later, the local governmental entities like the Birmingham Housing Authority and the Birmingham Board of Education began shutting down their ministry and they were being canceled because the pastor liked something that she that made her feel uncomfortable. Now the crazy thing is that this church is really involved in social work in their community. This church has ministry set aside to feed the poor and the hungry, to take care of the homeless. And they're involved socially in all kinds of ways, really impacting their community in serving the community and giving platforms, opportunities of platform for the sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're super involved, but the housing authority and the school board or the board of education got involved and shut their ministries down, hurting the very people they say they're, 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 they're protecting because a high school teacher got her feelings hurt. Are you kidding me? This is the world we're living in today. Oh, my word. In our society today, canceling someone's means punishing them. Punishing them for doing something or saying something or even thinking and believing in something that violates some set of unwritten rules found in some invisible rule book that supposedly is governing social discourse today. How insane is that? How can you live like that? How can a society survive when there's these rules that are being made that some crazies are making and they make no sense because they're not founded in truth. They're not founded, they're not solid anywhere. They're just like, how I feel today. Well, you made me feel bad, so I cancel you. I'm going to ruin your life because I didn't like what you said or what you did or what you stand for. I thought we were a nation that could stand on what we believe and that we had a right to believe what we wanted to believe. That punishment includes public exposure, humiliation, a demand for public apology and confession, resulting in an attempt to remove the person or persons from public life and the public conversation completely, whether or not they apologized. 
One, pat, one professor wrote this on cancel culture. He said, cancel culture is all about unacceptable groups, uh, sorry, unaccountable, they're unacceptable too, um, unaccountable groups successfully applying pressure to punish someone for perceived wrong opinions. The victim ends up losing their job or is significantly harmed in some way well beyond the discomfort of merely being disagreed with. That's a really long introduction to this message right here. That I believe what we're seeing today in this woke cancel culture looks a whole lot like what Jesus described would happen in the last days in Matthew 24, 10 and 12. That's what I want to spend some time on today. So let's go to Matthew 24, 10. This is what Jesus said. Verse eight, he said, these are the, but the beginnings of the birth pains. And then verse 10, many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Now we've already talked about the great falling away. We already talked about the fact that in the last days there will be many who claim to be Christians, but the heat will get turned up too hot and they will deny Christ. They will walk away from Christ. And in the last days, it is true, there will be a great falling away. We're already seeing that happening. But as I studied this further, this passage, interestingly enough, the word that you see here for falling away can also be translated. In fact, its root translation is offended. So we could literally read like this, and maybe this is what Jesus meant. Maybe Jesus had a part of this that we're seeing in today's culture that it reads like this. In those days, many will be offended and will betray one another and hate one another. Well, when you read it like that, you can sure see our world in all of that, can't you? There will be, in the last days, a hypersensitivity on all levels. People will be offended, and that offense will result in hatred and betrayal of each other. How crazy is it that we live in a world where you can't have Cracker Jacks anymore? You have to have Cracker Jills. <laughs> have you not heard about that? Yeah. In order to be woke, whatever the company, I don't even know the company that makes Cracker Jacks. Can't have Cracker Jacks anymore because you have to have Cracker Jills. And so they make Cracker Jills. Somebody in the first service said, I didn't believe you, so I looked it up. Sure enough, <laughs> drives me crazy. It's stupid. It is. It's like ridiculous. And we're seeing that everywhere. I mean, that's just a ridiculous example of many of these examples. Let me tell you, because I, I could go on and on. I mean, let's just go to the football team names and let's go to everything else. But I'll just tell you about this, okay? I'll tell you about my high school. Okay, Ignatia Valley High School, Walnut Creek, California. That's where I grew up. I grew up in Concord, California. Went to Walnut Creek, California, or went to school in Walnut Creek at Ignatia Valley High School. Our rival school, interestingly enough, is Concord High. And so they were our rival school, okay? Well, our mascot was the Warriors. We were the Warriors, and we loved that. We are the Warriors. We're gonna put you down. I mean, it was great, you know? We were the Warriors. The Minutemen... We're the Concord. So we were the warriors coming at you, and the Minutemen were like, well, we're the Minutemen. We're going to take you down. They were our rivals at Concord High, okay? Here's a, here's a picture of our, of our signs, okay? So Ignatia Valley High School and Concord High School, okay? 
You with me? So, and I'm sarcasm intended, a new teacher A new teacher at Ignatia Valley is demanding get our school's Native American mascot logo and name changed. It's offensive. Why? We're proud of that. 60 years it's been the Warriors. Stop, don't mess with it now. At Concord High, the principal is arguing that Minutemen refers to only one gender. Duh. And the symbol holding a rifle is not reflective of the school in the third decade of the 21st century. I could go on and on, right? I mean, I could just keep on going. But lest you think that's only happening in California, in the San Francisco Bay Area, you got another thing coming. I'm gonna read to you a story this, I've ch- I'm not using names, okay, um, but this was given to me um, last week from a man in our church, happening real time right now here in Elkhart County. Two months ago, the company I work for here in Elkhart adopted the diversity and inclusion program. A week later, we hired a girl who announced to everyone that she does not identify as male or female, and the rest of us, we need to identify her with the pronouns they and them. And that doesn't make a bit of sense to me. Because even if I was calling her a she, I wouldn't call her she's. What is they and them? I don't get that. Okay, but whatever. Most people politely listened and went about their work. After several weeks, there were a few times that I witnessed people using the pronoun she in a conversation in an email that I was part of. Everyone in our department got a, quote, friendly reminder that this person's pronouns were they and them. The next day, I sent an email back replying to everyone, our department and managers, stating that you're wanting me to assume your belief being non-binary without asking me about my belief that God created male and female. So this request would go against my Christian belief and go against what science has proven over and over with the XY and XX chromosomes. I also stated in the email that I would treat this person with the highest respect, dignity, and kindness, but will not be using her preferred pronouns. 15 minutes later, there was a mandatory meeting with everyone. HR came in and expressed the importance of accepting everyone. Okay, I'm gonna stop here and just say something here, okay? Is their goal for them to have a company that, ex- that respects everyone and accepts everyone or just this person? What about the people who believe in reality? What about the people who are peddlers of truth and not lies? Are we going to respect their opinions? Are we going to accept their opinions? And how about we just let everybody have their own opinion and not force anybody to believe anything about anybody else? They're not not expressing the importance of accepting everyone. They only want everyone to accept her. The meeting dismissed, and then they pulled me into an office 
I spent 20 minutes fighting for my side. I was dismissed. Later that day, I was again taken away in front of my coworkers with the managers into an office with HR. They pushed a paper in front of me, wanting me to sign it, stating that I will comply and use the pronouns they and them. I looked up and said, no, I refuse to sign. They threatened that by refusing to sign, they could terminate me. I looked them straight in the eye and said, I fully understand. I refuse to sign. He put it that way. I thought the next words out of their mouths would be, go pack your things and go home. You no longer work here. Instead, they said, this will go in your file. You're dismissed. That day was extremely stressful. I continue to go to work, but I fight all day in my mind with what I've done. I feel alone and ostracized, not knowing how soon they're plotting to let me go. I'm saying all this not necessarily for prayer, but just to let people be aware that these confrontations are at our front door. If you choose to disagree, you will face trouble and possible termination from your job. The Trojan horse is this diversity inclusion program that some companies are adopting. I don't know exactly if I have any legal footing for my belief. I just knew it was time for me to take a stand and let everyone know I will not deny reality. I will not pretend in made-up identities. I will not comply. Way to go, brother. Really easy to clap about that. We are. Real easy to shout that out in a big meeting full of Christians. (laughs) Not to, I mean, I love that. But when the rubber meets the road, are we willing to stand? Are we willing to take a stand for truth and not for fairy tales? Jesus said that this offense, this hypersensitivity, and this offense will turn to betrayal and hatred. And this betrayal, if you study the word, this betrayal is more than just turning on your friends and coworkers in order to make yourself look better or just stabbing someone in the back. It's more deeply rooted than that. It actually carries with it the intention to expose something. In fact, if Jesus were speaking to the times of World War II and the killing of the Jews, he would have used this term and this form of the word to describe people in Germany who would betray the Jewish identities of their friends and neighbors to the German secret police. That's the kind of betrayal we're talking about here. And so because people will be offended, they will betray each other like this. They will expose people for who they are. Cancel culture is actually dependent upon betrayal. The revealing of secrets for the discrediting and destruction of another person. And I just want to say, I have to say, this kind of behavior is of the devil. 
betrayal, disunity, jealousy, and hatred is what Satan has been peddling since Cain and Abel. And he will continue. We are not ignorant of his schemes. Our great enemy, the devil, is prowling around looking to divide people, not to unify people. And he's doing it. It's having its effect right now in the woke cancel culture. Hear me, people. I'm, and I'm not on a campaign. It's just reality. Social media is killing us. Social media was so cool when it came out. You know, Facebook was so cool. You could just share everything. It's killing our society. We are no longer a unified nation. We are a divided nation at every level. Forget one nation under God. We are no longer that. We're never going back to that. We're way over the edge on that. The problem is that we're raising a critical, judgmental, self-absorbed, hateful generation of children who are, because they're coming up in a culture that glorifies betrayal, hatred, and abuse, and exploitation, becoming the agents of hatred, and betrayal, and abuse, and exploitation. It's sad that we are reproducing right now this horrible thing under the guise of woke cancel culture. What our children need to hear is the truth from Jesus' own mouth. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Kids, listen to me. Success in your life is do unto others what you would have them do unto you. You want to have a great family? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You want to have a great neighborhood? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You want to have a great community? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You want to have a great nation? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. What is that called? The golden rule. rule. We got to be teaching our kids the golden rule again. The words straight from Jesus' mouth that came in Luke 6, 31. Here are some other words we need to teach our children. Right out of Jesus' mouth, Matthew 22, 37. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Oh, and by the way, the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. We need to teach our children to humble themselves. We need to teach our children to look out for the needs of their family and their friends above their own needs. We need to teach our children to love and to serve and sacrifice and honor their neighbors and not hate them and look for every single way they can to destroy them. We need to teach our children to stop being so hypersensitive to everything and just deal with life because life's going to deal you some junk. Buck up, buddy. What kind of society glorifies the types of things we've been talking about today? Our society, which is an end times society 
that we're living in right now that Jesus said was going to happen. Now, he's not done. You got a few minutes left in you? You okay? You following? So he's not done. He also said this in verse 12. And because lawlessness will be increased, do you hear that? Uh, I just want to remind you. I know I don't have to. I just want to remind you because sometimes when you're reading the word, you lose track of what's actually happening. Jesus is prophesying here. He's saying these things are going to happen. And in those days, he said, because lawlessness will be increased. So lawlessness is going to be increased in those days. The love of many will grow cold. Follow with me this logical downward spiral of what we've been talking about so far in verses 10 and 12. This hypersensitivity, this being offended, which by the way, hypersensitivity and easily offended people have in their root, that all comes from the root of self-absorption, self-promotion, and self-protection. That's where hypersensitivity comes from. Lord, are you telling me to say this out loud? If, you, if you're hypersensitive, a hypersensitive person, God bless you, but what's driving you is you think too highly of yourself. And you think that everyone around you needs to serve you and your needs. Now, is that redeemable? Absolutely. Because what it takes is humility, which we all need. We all need to humble ourselves, and we all need to serve others and put their needs in front of our own. And when you do that and you're focused on that, you no longer are a hypersensitive person. You'll always have the tendencies. We all do. But that's where all that comes from. So follow the logical downward spiral. Being easily offended leads to betrayal and hatred, which leads to an increase in lawlessness you following? That has an end result in the disconnection of you from community. The love of many will grow cold. People will withdraw from society, and when that happens, you no longer have a society. But how can you have a society when rampant lawlessness is in play? A nation without laws, my friends, is not a nation at all. You can't have civilization with anarchy. That's barbarianism. It's every man doing what is right in his own eyes, every woman doing what is right in her own eyes, every child, scary, doing what is right in their own eyes. That's lawlessness. Hmm. How did that go back in the day? How did God respond to every man, woman, and child doing what is right in their own eyes? What did God do? <laughs> yeah, judgment. What did he do? Do you remember? Do you know? What did he do? He killed them. Do you hear this kid? Right out of his mouth. You know why he knows that? Because he goes to Sunday school. And he hears the story. In the days of Noah, every man did what was right in his own eyes, and God said, this is not good. And he wiped out the world. God won't stand for that. It's called lawlessness. 
What we're seeing before our very eyes is what Jesus said would happen. An increase in lawlessness. Every night on the news, we are seeing the legalization of looting and shoplifting. I'm telling you, I'm losing my mind. Can I use the word idiot? If people are idiotic, can you use the word idiot? What idiot thinks it's a good idea to put a limit on shoplifting? And as long as you don't shoplift over this dollar amount, you can get away with it. What kind of society are you going to have like that? You think that they're going to actually go in there with a calculator and fact, like, oh, okay, don't go over the number. Are you kidding me? Curtis, am I okay? All right, so far. We're seeing all the time the tolerization of protesters assaulting police officers. Actually backing down the police thanks to the power of the smartphone camera. I watched some clip the other day on the news. Drove me nuts. This is what our society has turned into. Morons with their cameras out, their phones out, doing this to the police. You got a whole police line, and they're doing this with their phones, and they're screaming at the police, and they're screaming at them, and they're going at them like this. And I mean, the police had their nightsticks out, and they were holding their nightsticks like this, and they're in a line, and they're getting backed up. I was like, whack them in the head. <laughs> Can you delete that from... What is wrong with us? Lawlessness is abounding. When you get to a point where the police are so locked up and not supported in what, they, what are they supposed to be doing? What are they, do we have any police officers in here in this service? Okay, we need to get some. <laughs> Who's doing this? Where are you? Casey, are you in? What's your job, brother? Stand up. Stand up. We love you and we're grateful for you and we pray for you all the time. What is your job? Uh, patrol officer. Okay, but what's your job? Protect and serve. Protect and what? Serve. Protect and serve. serve. How do you protect and serve our community? Going where somebody may not want to go, but isn't your job to enforce the laws of our land, which those laws are there in order to give peace, to bring peace to our society? Isn't that right? Sure. Law and order, it's called. Yeah. Without laws and youth, thank you, brother. We love you. We love you. Without laws, without laws, you have no society. You don't have a nation without laws. How, how insane have we become where we're tolerating people who will back down our law enforcement officers. And the only reason our law enforcement officers are backing down is not because they're weak. It's not because they're wimps. It's not because they can't stand and do what they need to do in order. They're trained on how to stop people from doing what these people are doing. They're afraid. Yep. 
because our society is gonna cancel them or they're gonna lose their job or they're gonna get prosecuted for doing their job. What a horrible thing that we have to live through in this day. It's the lawlessness that Jesus said would increase. Every night we're seeing things like the justification of rioting and this is kind of old news, but I'm telling you, it's going to blow. Our, our nation is going to blow and explode over this our Roe versus Wade thing. If it doesn't go their way, this nation is going to explode. And we set it up in the summer of 2020. The justification of rioting that results in property damage and personal injury and even death. Calling it reparations and saying it's harmless. Ariel Atkins, the BLM organizer, said this during the riots. Anything they want to take, they can take it because these businesses have insurance. Are you kidding me? How about this? How about the blatant disrespect of our lawmakers and actually picketing and protesting at private residence of the Supreme Court justices? Really? Well, what's the deal with that, Phil? What's wrong with that? They're just going, it's because it's against the law. That's why. We have laws that say you cannot go to the private residence of a lawmaker and try to convince them of your side and try to sway their decisions. You can't have real law happening and real decisions being made when that's happening. We have a law. Why won't our president get on the TV and just say, knock it off, everybody. We have laws, and we can't survive as a community and as a nation if we don't abide by the laws. And by the way, anybody showing up at any of these lawmakers' houses are going to be arrested and put away. Don't do it. You're messing with our democracy. This is the stuff that Jesus said. You guys, Jesus said this is what's going to happen. I don't even want to talk about this next thing, but it's related to this Supreme Court justice thing. Why is there a problem? Because something got leaked that they were trying to make a decision about overturning Roe versus Wade, that they were beginning the discussions on that in the Supreme Court. So, and I had a video to show you of this, and um, it's disgusting. And I, I was going to show you the video, and I went to Matt, and I said, hey, I want to show this video. we got to, like, crop it and everything. And he goes, yeah, we've been meaning to talk to you about that. <laughs> he said, you know, we've been canceled four times. He said, you know, you've been, we use stuff like this, and there's some algorithms that they, they, that flags us. And we've been flagged, and... We've been canceled on YouTube, and we've been canceled on Facebook, and so if you use that video, they're going to cancel us again. This won't get out there. And I said, really? I, I didn't know that. I guess we're red flagged right now. And um, he, says, he says, well, but what we could do is show the picture of it, because the algorithm doesn't pick up the picture. It picks up the video, so. <laughs> so here's a picture of what happened on MSNBC. So you've got on the left, you've got the show hosts and then the three guests and the, the, the three on the left are all listening to the woman 
on the right, and I'm going to read to you word for word what she is talking about, because when referencing the person who leaked the draft of the Roe versus Wade consideration, this is what Lori Kilmartin said, and I quote, here's my thinking on the leaker. I would like to find out who the leaker is so I can make sweet love to that person because that person is a hero to me. And if the leaker is a Republican, and if I get pregnant during our lovemaking, I will joyfully abort the fetus. I'm telling you guys, we have completely lost our moral compass. And just common moral decency is done in our society when that kind of stuff starts to happen. You know how I know that? That's where we are? Not because there are crackpots like Lori Kilmartin, despicable people like this in our world. We will always have despicable people like this in our world. The reason I know that we are in trouble is because our society around these type of people will not dismiss her as uncivilized because of those thoughts and those words and those actions. Oh, they'll dismiss us because we said something that we didn't like. We hurt our feelings. But when something like this is spoken of, it's celebrated. Just gets me so much in here. It's so indecent. Let me show you the next picture. Look at this picture. Yeah. The host and the two guests are laughing, and we snapped that picture right after she said, I will joyfully abort the fetus. How despicable. I can't believe MSNBC would actually show that, let alone have the host of the show not say, okay, hang on a second, you just crossed the line that we can't cross. We're civilized people. How can, you, how can you have such a disdain for human life like that? You're, you're, you'll never appear on this show again. Instead, they laugh about it. I don't even want to talk about the video of the young 23-year-old man getting shot down in the streets of Chicago last weekend. It was horrifying. They actually showed the video. It was from a camera on a on a apartment building caught the whole thing and they shot this guy because he wouldn't give him the password to his phone. Rampant lawlessness. Lawlessness will increase, Jesus said. It's chilling. But Jesus said that our culture leading up to the tribulation and the end of human history will be characterized by a coldness that will drive those chills right down your spine, a coldness toward all that is good and all that is right and will result in the disintegration of trust that will lead to relational indifference and isolation. Think about it. Healthy relationships require trust and vulnerability. Well, why would I be vulnerable and make myself vulnerable to another person when the fashionable thing to do in our community these days is to use my opinions and my beliefs, even my faults, to cancel me. I'm not going to do that. I'm gonna back away from everybody. Did you know that Great Britain, I, I read this this week, Great Britain has created a new position in its government called the Minister of Loneliness. And we laugh at that 
But a recent study just revealed that nearly half of Americans have not made a new friend in the past five years. So are we becoming more unified or are we becoming more divided as a nation and a people? But isn't that what Jesus said would happen? As hatred and deception increase due to acute sensitivity, he said, love in our world will decrease and our relationships will grow cold. Okay. There's the darkness. There's the bad news. You know what the good news is? There's something in our world called the church of Jesus Christ. And so what is the church of Jesus Christ who carries the light? We are light bearers. What is the church of Jesus Christ going to do to counter the darkness of the increasing darkness and lawlessness and hatred in our society? We'll talk about that next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. If you're 55 and older, you know what I mean by that. You know what I'm talking about. Stand with me, because until then, I want to say this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you, and may he lift his countenance towards you and give you peace. I want to end with the words of the song we started with this morning in this service. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees. With my hands lifted high, oh God, the battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet. I'll sing through the night because God, the battle belongs to you. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here. Pray for everyone in this room, everyone online, and everyone who claims the name of Jesus Christ in our community right now and in our world. That you would protect them and bless them. That you would keep them from the evil one. Lord, you even, you even prayed to your father while you were there in the garden. I don't ask that you remove them out of the world. I just ask them to you protect them from the evil one. That's what I want to ask, Lord. And that you'll give my brothers and sisters boldness as they shine their light out in the dark world that we live in today. That you'll use them powerfully in the name of Jesus. And that you'll strengthen them. Lord, we need your help. And I just want to say before I close the prayer here that if you need Jesus and you heard a testimony of Christ today and you want to walk with the Lord if you have another need we are here to help you with that at the end of the service as everyone's going out the back you come down to the front and let us work with you but if you need Jesus today the Bible says if you hear his voice and you hear him calling you don't harden your heart today might be the day of salvation for you I want to make that available to you but Lord help my brothers and sisters as we go Strengthen us in our hearts, strengthen us in our faith, and help us to walk in boldness and not in fear. And it's in your powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, my brothers and sisters, as you go.